And welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And uh, this, our last week of October, we're talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer. And you know, in 2021, that's no big deal. I mean, everyone knows what everyone did last summer. We're trapped in the house, probably on Zoom. <laughs> that, that's accurate. <laughs> on Zoom. God, I freaking hate web webinars. I just wonder yeah. how much that company blew up because i'd never heard of zoom until everything went sideways and then all i heard was zoom so we should probably address the elephant in the room or the elephant not in the room patrick oh. has quit the show yep he has not quit the show. <laughs> it threw me it threw me the fuck off when we did our intro and, and it went directly from you to joel even though i knew it was gonna happen it still threw me off and i, I almost bobbled it's like who am i again i don't even know <laughs> And if you don't know who you are, you might find the answers at the shows on Geek Life Radio. Wait, 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 wait we, haven't, we haven't addressed the elephant yet. Yeah. Haven't we? We no. haven't. Patrick, Patrick, unfortunately, is not with us this week. Um, I think they figured that out. I know. He, you know his, his, current, his current working situation has called him, and we're all for Patrick making more money. So, yes. Go, Pat. Go, Pat. Wait. What? So, yeah, Patrick's out working his job. Uh, he may join us, but probably not. You never so. know. You're stuck with the three of us. It's a tripod this week. If you're for throwing me off my game, you might find such things on Geek Life Radio. <laughs> You'll find us there at 12 noon on Saturdays. Uh, you also find all things Transformers, the anime trap house, HTML, all the things, the day one patch podcast, and of course, Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, the smorgasbord. It's a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people leader. One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people leader. Is that it? I mean, besides being a copyrighted song, I don't know where the hell you're going with that one. Yeah, uh, if that's how we get our copyright strike, holding you personally responsible. <laughs> that, that's I mean, honestly, fair. at this point, I just I'd be happy if just stuck a trumpet up your ass and farted. I mean, I mean, something. that can't be arranged. Do you have a trumpet? It'd make no, you happy, asked. but it would make him very happy. <laughs> you know, okay, this is gonna sound awful for me saying this after this conversation. I freaked out my kids once. Uh, <laughs> I was like, that yeah. is not the best segue. <laughs> you know those little, you know those little uh, uh, carnival whistles that you get. They're like a little cylinder that have a little little fan in there. When you blow them, they go. Whee! I don't like yeah, where this not is getting going. Better. <laughs> the faster you go. So when they were little, I woke up one morning and I don't. I was just in a mood. I took one of those things and I stuck it between my ass cheeks, and then I went down to breakfast. And when I farted. I farted with that thing there, and it went free. You think somebody would like just dropped a penguin on the table at that moment? Like the into everything stopped, and they were like, "Dad is so talented." <laughs> that just wow. ruined a perfectly good whistle because no one's putting that on their mouth after that. <laughs> That's how you get pink eye, pink lip. But maybe if you'd like to buy it on eBay, it will be up for auction later today. No. 
<laughs> it smells like peas. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us, <laughs> they don't. Yeah. Not after that. <laughs> not after that. that. They don't. You can give us a ring at 708 now wrap. That's 708 669 9727. You can also uh, click our join us link in the show notes or on our Facebook page. Uh, contact us button will take you to our Discord where you can join us in conversations about new movies and TV shows and food and drink. Food and drink and travel. In fact, two of our listeners went to the Canadian version of the Overlook Hotel this week. I saw a yurt. Yeah. I don't even know what a yurt was. And feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like half the time, too, uh, uh, listener Yvonne is uh, in the uh, streaming channel, and frequently I'm just using that as voice chat for the MMO New World. And Sometimes I'm streaming it in there. Yeah. It's good to see you, Yvonne. We're yeah. glad to have you on the channel. Yeah, yeah. he never talks, but he, he, he's sometimes in there. So you can listen to uh, my wife and Brian and I. It's like, oh, kill that guy. Now nah, I'm dead. <laughs> That kind of stuff. I got to yeah. get on that game. That looks like a lot of fun. But uh, the other thing we'd like to shout out to is all of our listeners in Iran. Yeah. Iraq. And Iran and Iraq. Um, yep. One of my charting websites that looks across the globe and discovers where we are on the charts informed me this week that we are number one in both TV reviews and movie reviews in Iran. Huh. Yeah. It's a weird Venn diagram. But it really is. So if you're expats, if you're military, if you're not either of those, welcome. <laughs> yeah, let us know how, like, if you are from far-flung places in uh, around the globe, you don't have to call in and have your voice on the show if you don't want. But I'm curious, how did you guys find us? Or happy, happy that you found us, but I'm, I wonder how it happened. Yeah, I mean, if you want to email us, you can email us at 40go14 at gmail.com and just leave us a note telling us where, you know, how you found us, if you enjoy the show. You know, we, we have a global audience, uh, people ranging from Canada to Ireland to England to New Zealand to Australia. And we love to hear from all of you. We really do. Yeah. And if you don't want it read on the air for some reason, just tell us. And yeah, we're just curious. That's all. Yeah. So with that said, is it about that time? It is about that time. Whoop, whoop. This weekend, music. Movies and TV <laughs> and sports. All right, so we that are still going. gets me. Uh, <laughs> he makes you giggle. I don't know why. It's just a, movies. It's just I can't even say it right. It's, it's just so the way dramatic. he says it. I mean, Josh is always so like, yeah, cool, whatever. But then he gets so like, he becomes like the um, Good, the uh, what's that guy on YouTube? True, true trailers or oh yeah, yeah, I get the. <laughs> Real Definitely. Honest Trailers? Yeah, Honest Trailers guy. So, All right, so this week we're going with October 17th, 1997, the release of I Know What You Did Last Summer. I did. I do know what you did last summer. Do you? I have it on tape. All right, so music. The number one song in the land was Candle in the Wind, 1997, a single that was dedicated to the memory of Diana, Princess of Wales, who died that year, with proceeds from the sale of the single going towards Diana's charities. Which we sell the crap out of that. Sold the crap out of it at Val's. You get a lot of people coming in <clears> looking <throat> for that. Do you have that song about Diana? Yep. That Kasingle oh. was just like, we could not keep it on the shelf. I like that. That's interesting. She said Kasingle. <clears throat> well, Kasingle like, 45. I get, it. Yeah. I get it for 1997, mm -hmm. but it's a little harder for me to make the jump to at Val's. Like, I would think, <clears throat> oh, Sam Goody's going to have them flying off the shelves. Right. 
I mean, you know, even though it's a bit more of an NPR kind of crowd there, like if it was played on NPR, Val always immediately had it in stock because she knew that's all anybody was going to ask about. But that kind of transcended that kind of hip uh, crowd that we had uh, that was mostly like world music and Americana. Um, I'm sorry. Is there a Venn diagram for hip and listens to NPR? <laughs> you know, I mean, Oak Park. That's all you need to know is Oak Park, and it makes sense. And welcome to Val's Hollow, where we'll be discussing Candle in the Wind 1997. The Elton John classic that was repurposed for Diana, Princess of Wales. He didn't even do too, too much in the way of changing the lyrics, did he? No, not really. I mean, he was just like, change the name from Norma Jean to Diana Jean? <laughs> I don't know if there were, like, I know it was a dedication and it was a big deal because it was played. So it had this big resurgence. I don't remember any lyrical changes. I could be wrong, though. Hmm. Goodbye, Diana Jean. You know what my favorite version oh, of that know. song is? I mean, granted, the song is not, like, even on my top 20. But the one with George Michael, and then he, he does that, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Elton John. Oh, and everybody goes in. nuts. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, don't let the sun go down on me. Oh, that's right. That is the song that it was. Yep. Oh, man, I thought that was uh, Candle, Candle in the Wind. Candle in the Wind, yeah. I rescind my statement. Candle in the Wind sucks. All right. Sorry, <laughs> No, 5,000 candles in the wind. <clears throat> yes. Bye, bye, little Sebastian. <laughs> All right, moving on. So Henry John Deutschendorf Jr., known professionally as John Denver, <clears throat> was an American singer-songwriter, activist, and humanitarian whose greatest commercial success was as a solo singer. Denver began his music career with folk music groups during the late 1960s, and by the 1970s, he was one of the most popular and best-selling artists of the decade. By 1974, he was one of America's best-selling performers. Denver recorded and released approximately 300 songs and had 33 albums and singles that were certified gold and platinum in the U.S. by the RIAA, fuck you, with estimated sales of more than 33 million units. An avid pilot, Denver died at age 53 on October 12th, in a single fatality crash while piloting a recently purchased light plane. He is part of my favorite Christmas album ever, Don, John Denver and the Buffets. Ah, uh, yes. I remember you going for Halloween as dead John Denver, like <laughs> within year. two weeks of him dying, yes. It was topical. Hmm. Zombie John Denver was a thing. That was when you went as... um. I remember doing your makeup at my apartment. You you were going to Sting, and you had my cassette recorder. Sonny Bono? What? Oh. No, no, no. Josh Wind is like a... Um... No, I, I think it might have been The Crow. Yeah. Oh. You had the cassette tracks. recorder, and you would you, we recorded a bunch of stuff, and they're like, I would <clears> like <throat> a slice of beer and a glass of cheese, please. And you would like do bad, bad voiceover to it. What? I vaguely remember this, but I don't... Yeah. Well, in your defense and mine, we drank a lot that night. I think I might still have that recorder. <laughs> and that hangover. <laughs> Perhaps. Anyway. All right. Uh, Henry Charles Vestine, a.k.a. The Sunflower, was an American guitar player, primarily known as a member of the band Canned Heat from its start in 1966 to 1969. In later years, he occasionally returned to Canned Heat for a few tours and recordings. In 2003, Vestine was ranked 77th in Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. Vestine had finished a European tour with Canned Heat when he died from heart and respiratory failure in a Paris hotel on the morning of October 20th, 1997, 
just as the band was about to return to the U.S. and he was absorbed. Hmm. Hmm. Don't really know Candy. They have so a where, flautist. Where were you ranked? Ah, 77th. Eh, not bad. I mean, all things considered, to be in the top 100 is still something. Yeah, I'm not even in the top, like, anything. So Thinking yeah. of. Oh, you know what song they have? Uh, uh, Let's Work Together. Come on, come on. Oh, wait, no, let's, let's get to the Let's game. work together and something, something, something. They also have a song called Amphetamine Annie. Yeah, none of these are ringing any bells. Burl's All I know is the uh, Jamiroquai song that was featured in Napoleon Dynamite of Canned Heat. That's it. Okay. All right. Well, we finally, collect, but... <laughs> on October 15th, Michael Jackson ended the history tour, which included an attendance record of 4,500,000 fans, Jesus. which is insane. Yeah, I remember that was like a double album and like there was a... A big production for the last big concert. Well, yeah, he was the king of pop. So, okay, so let's let's to put this out. So, okay, four million five thousand five hundred thousand fans. I just did the math. If he were to do a concert every day of the year, so three hundred and sixty-five days, that would be twelve thousand three hundred and twenty-eight people at every show. Every day of the year, that many? Yes. So between twelve and 13,000 people showing up to see you sing every day of the year. Well, and it looks like there was a lot of arena shows that had over 100,000 in attendance. Oh, yeah. Well, I just looked up the United Center just because that's the only place I can think of off the top of my head for reference. And that holds 23,500 people. Right. When you're talking these 100,000, you're talking like... Uh, Wembley? Oh, uh, maybe Soldier Field, Letna uh, Park in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. We're talking like national stadiums. Wembley is nine hundred thousand. That's yeah, that's insane. I mean, because obviously he wasn't touring three hundred sixty-five days out of the year, but still, right. I, that putting it in that perspective, I mean, that's huge. And Wembley was his biggest show at two hundred sixteen thousand. Holy crap, that's nuts! Can you imagine being on a stage in front of that many people? I'm wrong. The one in the Amsterdam arena was 250,000. Good God. It was his second biggest show on the tour, it looks like. I mean, I, I would see that and be like, hi, my little buttercup. I mean, <laughs> what do you do? I mean, that's like him and like Freddie Mercury just owning these immense crowds. Quarter million people. Good God. How many did you say was there again? Uh, well, it was the biggest show was two hundred and fifty thousand. It was two hundred and nineteen, I think. I got two hundred and sixteen thousand at Wembley. Two hundred and sixteen thousand. Uh, are you doing math? Yeah, I'm looking at cities with populations of about two hundred thousand people. So that's like the size of Huntsville or Mobile, Alabama, like the entire city. Good. Okay, yeah, is uh, uh, Mobile's one hundred ninety-one thousand, Birmingham two hundred thirty-one. I was going to mess with you for taking that time, but that was worth the wait. Yeah. I just was trying to put it in perspective, like imagining like a, a whole city. And that's, in, that's insane. All right. Moving on. All right. Uh, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was The Devil's Advocate. No, I just like that movie. It's it's another case of pretty okay uh, movie. Amazing score. I've legit never seen it. What? No interest. Hmm. Yeah. I think it'd be worth your time once. Yeah, I think I think you would dig it. Hmm. Yeah, I, never I don't think it attention. would. I don't think it ever become one of your favorites or anything. But it's it's worth the time to sit down and watch it once. El Pacino as Satan 
is spot on. I'm still annoyed that uh, the rumors about him playing Mephisto in the MCU were incorrect. I had I had not known about that. I hadn't either. Oh yeah, well he uh, apparently took a meeting and he said he's open to playing something in the MCU. And when WandaVision first mm. launched, uh, the, the whole <clears throat> hullabaloo was people thought Mephisto was somehow involved because of the comics. And a lot of people called that uh, Al Pacino would show up in the last couple episodes. So. I mean, Marvel Universe is big enough that everybody who wants a piece can get in somewhere. Right. So. All right. So other movies released this week included Rocket Man, Washington Square, Telling Lies in America, Bean, Best Men, and Playing God. Ah, underrated movie, Playing God. I don't think I've seen it. I was, I was about to say, this does not sound like an awesome week for movies. I, I You may have, because that's the one with David Duchovny, where he's like the mob doctor. Mm-mm. But now, now I remember seeing the trailer for it. Now that you, but I, I never saw it. If that's what I'm thinking of, I'm looking it up. David Duchovny, Timothy Hutton, uh, disgraced surgeon leaves his former life and reinvents himself as a gunshot doctor in the criminal underworld. Now I'm interested in seeing it, but I haven't seen it yet. Peter Starmoir, Timothy Hutton, Angelina Jolie, and David Duchovny as the lead. It was, it was, it was good. It was, you know, a typical kind of '90s. Uh, independent crime movie you know after pulp fiction happened everybody was making kind of hmm, crimey type movies crimey crimey man is not what i thought it was which one rocket man i was like i, I thought the movie came out like two years ago no it's rocket man it's uh harland williams and william sadler oh god i remember that yeah i uh i must have erased that from my brain it, it really you probably should Oh, All I remember right. that poster now. I was at, worked at the video store when that came out. Oh, God. All right, sorry. Uh, Ron Tarr was an English <clears throat> actor and strongman. He is known for his work on Willow, The EastEnders, Doctor Who, The Wunden Line, and the acronym of the week, AVTAK, which I'm pretty sure stands for, apparently, Vaginas Traumatize Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you may I not be wrong right. with that. I think you might be right. Yep. I got it. Yay. Oh, wait. Patrick's not here to argue it. Uh, well, how are we ever going to find out what that means? Oh, wait. Highlight. That is actually a view to a kill. Uh, Which I think, speaking of uh, being afraid of vaginas, I think uh, Timothy Dalton might be, too. I'm not sure. Well, in any case, Ron Tarr died on October 20th. Oh, shit. Oops, sorry, Ron. He's. I'm, I'm looking at his IMDb, and he's got, a, I mean, Doctor Who, Blake 7, are you being served? The professionals. Uh, he is all over the place. Man, I used to watch Are You Being Served. I love that show. That's a great show. All right. So TV. <clears throat> the top shows in the land were Seinfeld, ER, Veronica's Closet, and Friends. That's 90s for you. 1997. Um, Audra Marie Lindley was an American actress, most famous for her role as the landlady Helen Roper on the sitcom Three's Company and its spinoff, The Ropers. Lindley died of leukemia on October 16th. Wow, she was absorbed. Aww. Also, Donald Earl Messick was an American voice actor best known for his performances in Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Oh. His best-remembered vocal creations include Scooby-Doo, Bam Bam Rubble, Astro, Muttley and Dastardly from Wacky Races, Boo Boo Bear and Ranger Smith from Yogi Bear, Sebastian the Cat from Josie and the Pussycats, 
Gears, Ratchet, and Scavenger from the Transformers, Papa Smurf and Azrael from the Smurfs, oh. Dr. Benton Quest and Johnny Quest, among all bunch of other vo- voices. Mezik suffered his second stroke Uh-oh. on October 24th, which led to his death that day. Damn. Good God, that guy is like... Yeah, I'm surprised I've never heard of him. Yeah, that's a hell of a resume. Right? Like, so many characters we grew up watching. Well, that's like, um, who does uh, Optimus Prime again? Peter Weller. Cullen. 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 Yeah, I was going to say, Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, the big uh, early voice actors. Yep. Now it's like uh, uh, Billy West and uh, uh, Tom Kenny. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, what's her name? Who does the uh, My Little Pony? Gray. The entire cast of uh, of the D and D podcast, oh, Matt Mercer's crew, like oh. all of them are huge, huge voice actors, like yep. Matt Mercer himself. All oh, right, and Mark so Hamill. I'm looking up Donald Messick on IMDb, and uh, looks like he had some uh, stuff in The Last Unicorn, also. Huh. All right. Well, I'll close this out since uh, Patrick is away. Uh, Moving on to sports. On October 14th, the Florida Marlins beat the Atlanta Braves four games to two to win the MLB National League Championship. The following day in the American League Championship, the Cleveland Indians beat the Baltimore Orioles four games to two. So both within one day, one day of each other, four to two series. Go baseball. There's somebody who made a lot of money on that bet. <laughs> and it wasn't us. Yeah, it was one dude. So moving forward from these four to two series, on October 22nd, you have the longest nine-inning World Series game at four hours and 12 minutes. Jesus. The Marlins and Indians were tied seven to seven going into the ninth. The Mariners, no, that, that, that's, that's a cut and paste error. Because the, the Mariners are not one of those teams. I'm going to say the <laughs> Marlins won 14-11. I was going to say, and the Mariners came in and stole the game from the Marlins <laughs> and the Indians. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a third team on the diamond. <laughs> it's such a long World Series game that they actually had one of the teams get renamed in the middle of the game. Holy cow, they doubled the score Yeah, the Marlins going in. Can you imagine, though, a four-hour and 12-minute inning? You know what I'm grateful for, though? Fuck that wasn't that the Cubs at the World Series game. Yeah, I mean, even though I'm not a Cubs fan, I'm really not a Cubs fan. Their last clinching game, like if you wanted to watch a just-about-perfect game of baseball, from beginning to end, it's a nail-biter. Yeah. It's, it is it is a great, like, you don't see better games of any sport, really, outside of sports movies. That was that was an amazing game. I was actually in New Orleans watching that at a bar with a bunch of coworkers when that happened. And Kevin, one of the guys I work with, when they started when it started raining and they started pulling the tarps out on the on the field, I like the both of us looked at each other and were like, We can't handle another game. We can't if they cancel this game, we cannot handle this again. Our bodies will not react well to this. <laughs> and and then they won, and we managed to celebrate the Cubs winning the World Series on Bourbon Street. Nice. Which, That's as soon as the memories come back, I will let you know about. I was going to say, it must have been a, uh, a haze. It was a hell of a night. All right, and that's the tweet. Take us out, keyboard, Joel. So, I know what you did last summer, 1997 vintage. Four young friends bound by a tragic accident are reunited when they find themselves being stalked by a hook-wielding maniac in their small seaside town. 
which Laura kept referring to as the Gortman's Fisherman the entire time we watched it. Yeah. Gort- Gortman's? Gortman's. I've, Sorry, Gortman's. Yeah, from the fish sticks. It's yeah, the Gortman's Fisherman. That being a big thing uh, when the movie came out, everyone making that observation. I love me some fish sticks. I've had fish sticks in a long time. What, are you making fun of me? Are you like Kanye West? Fish sticks? What? What? That's How did we get here? What are you talking South about? Why do I make fun of you about fish sticks? South Park they, reference. Yeah, it was a South Park reference. Yeah. Oh. You ever take the fish sticks, you put them on a brioche bun, and then put uh, lettuce, tomato, and uh, tartar sauce on it and make yourself a little filet fish sandwich? No. No? I mean, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. It's just one of those things like a brioche bun... It's kind of mm-hmm. elevated, and fish sticks are kind of fish sticks. <laughs> you know, when it's when you got what you got. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. It sounds like it'd be fine. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the fish sticks show. Ooh. Oh, man. So I know you what you did last summer. 1997 American slasher film? I'm going to put a question mark there. Yeah, yeah it qualifies. It is that's directed accurate, by yeah. Jim Gillespie. And Kevin Williamson, we're going to get into this, is loosely based on a 1973 novel of the same name, uh, written by Lois Duncan, and is the first of the I Know What You Did Last Summer franchise, which of course included I Know What You Did Last Summer, I Remember What You Did Last Summer, Do You Remember What We Did Last Summer, What the Hell Did We Do Last Summer, What Are We Going to Do Next Summer? (laughs) That's not... I, that may be the book. I don't know. It wasn't the movies. Uh, it also then they move on dro- to Remember the Titans? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember the Titans. Clash of the Titans, Wrath of the Titans. This makes no sense. Attack Why did they on stop Titan. playing football? Uh, it draws inspiration from the urban legend of the hook and also 1980s slasher films such as Prom Night and The House on Sorority Row. We did a Prom Night show. We did do a Prom Night show. Yep, so uh, Williamson wrote Scream the year prior and eventually was approached to adapt Duncan's source novel by Eric producer Eric Feig. Uh, the screenplay for Scream contained prominent elements of satire and self-referentiality. That's a terrible word to, to have to say after two bourbons. Um, but it reworked the novel's central plot to resemble a straightforward 1980s slasher film. Uh, box office wise, it did 125 million worldwide on a budget of 17 million. So I guess it did pretty good. That's good. Yep. It was number one for three consecutive weeks and was nominated for and won multiple awards, followed by actually two sequels. I was lying. And uh, the <clears throat> there's some some stuff going on about the when they produced it and they were advertising it. They're like from the creator of Scream. In which case, Miramax came to Columbia and said, hi there, here's a lawsuit. Uh, because Wes Craven did Scream, not Williamson. Huh. There's a, yeah, there was Williamson actually, wrote it, though. Yeah. To be fair. To be, to be fair. Um, the federal judge actually awarded Miramax an injunction requiring that Columbia remove the claim from their advertising. Uh, Williamson then said that he had re- requested its removal prior after seeing it on the theater poster. And he probably is like, yeah, it's going to get us sued. Um, Miramax won a subsequent lawsuit against Columbia in 1998. During a press release, Bob Weinstein noted plans to vigorously pursue damaged claims against Columbia Pictures for their use of the claim. Huh. Yeah. I mean, well. it's technically not wrong. Creator is misleading, which is probably why they got the court case. Because, but I mean, if he wrote it, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They're just splitting hairs at that point. 
So this is directed by Jim Gillespie, who did the movie I See You. Garbage! Excuse me. And Venom, but not, not that, that one. Yeah. Not the one you're thinking of. It's a different one. Yeah, I See You was uh, one of Stallone's movies in his dark days. Oh, it was really? not good. It was not good. Yeah, it was a serial killer thing. Yeah, and Venom was a... Um, like took place down in like a bayou. It's like a spirit. Yeah, they were guy. they were being chased by Mister Jangles through Louisiana. Yeah, I remember the poster and hearing about it, but just did not have any desire to see it. So writing credits go to Lois Duncan, who did I Know What You Did Last Summer, which was a tween novel. Uh, big difference is that nobody got murdered in the novel. It was more of a mystery than it was a slasher flick. And the the book that goes to the movie called Hotel for Dogs. Oh uh, yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, the girls love that movie. I have seen huh. that. I have I have actually seen that more times than I care to admit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Kevin Williamson, who also did Scream, Scream Two, The Vampire Diaries, and The Following. He also did Dawson's Creek. Yes. We get into that reference also in there too. Uh the following, if you like Kevin Bacon, watch that one. That's some actually oh. pretty damn good show. I really like that show. Yeah. Very good. Kevin Bacon carries it pretty good. So, the cast, we have Jennifer Love Hewitt as Julie James. You may know her from Party of Five, The Ghost Whisperer, and the voice of Liz the Veterinarian from the cartoon Garfield. She was in the live-action version. Was she? Yeah, also. I don't know I don't know if she did the voice. I, hmm. I, assume, I guess so, but she also was in the live-action version with uh, Breck and Meyer. Either I was drunk when I watched it or didn't watch it at all. One of the two. <laughs> that was one that my kids liked, so, yeah. I've so, seen you've seen times. that a couple times. Yep. Yeah, also, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Helen Shivers, who is also known from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Scooby-Doo, and Cruel Intentions. For all Never you heard of her. step-siblings out there. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, I mean, that's not wrong, but like, beyond Buffy, I'm not sure that's how I'd sum up her <clears throat> career. Yeah, I'm just going fine. with the first three things that show up on her IMDb. I, I get yeah. you. Yeah. And Cruel Intentions ties in with this crowd. The same people mm-hmm. that would have seen this would have seen Cruel Intentions. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And Ryan Philippe as Barry Cox, who is in Crash, the movie 54, and Gosford Park. Have you guys seen Gosford Park? <clears throat> yes. Great I, movie. I enjoy it quite a bit. Heard yeah. good things about it, but I don't know that I've seen it. And I, oh, dude. Yeah. If you haven't seen, you're going to watch the sequels to this and you haven't seen Gosford Park. Once again, I'm questioning how you spend your time. <laughs> Very carefully. No, it's the opposite. <laughs> Obviously not. Um, Freddie Prinze Jr. as Ray Bronson as from uh, all, She's All That, playing Fred in Scooby-Doo, and, of course, the new Punky Brewster. Yep, did a yeah. show on that, too. Yeah, yeah we did that. And I, I think others don't care for him. I, I, I've always kind of liked him. Like, I, he isn't, like, my favorite leading man, but, like, I'm not ever, like, upset to see him in something. Yeah, every time I see him, I'm kind of, I'm like, I liked your dad. He was awesome. Although it's crazy how much he has aged in the last few years. He and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, who are married in real life, mm-hmm. uh, did a, a detergent, like a dish detergent commercial. Oh, yeah. Yep. That, that uh, we do it every night thing. Yep. Yes. And I legit did not recognize them. He is two years older than I am, and he looks 15 years older than I am. He's aged like he's still a very handsome man, but he looks like an elder statesman right now. Huh. Yeah, he's 47 and looks like he's about 60. He's no Crispin Glover, who just doesn't seem to age at all. But always look kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, I like the dude, but let's 
Yeah. <clears throat> he's he's kind of a guy that you hope sits at the other end of the booth when you go to Denny's. Oh, they're going to say the porno bookstore. Oh, no. Also accurate. Yeah. Also Cloudy clown. Bridget Wilson as Elsa Shivers. You may recognize her as Sonya Blade from Mortal Kombat. Also from uh, Last Action Hero and Billy Madison. I knew Shampoo I recognized her. I, j- I couldn't place from where. Because yeah. I didn't look up her IMDb. There you go. Also, Anne <laughs> as Melissa. Missy Egan. <clears throat> you may know from Six Days, Seven Nights, uh, Donnie Brasco and Wag the Dog. I, I, I guess formerly, I'm a, a fan of Anne Heche. I mean, she's fine. Formerly Mrs. Ellen, Mr. Mm-hmm. Ellen. Mr. and Mrs. Ellen? I don't I don't know. Uh, Muse Watson as Ben Willis, the fisherman, who has also been in NCIS as uh, Mike Franks, Prison Break, and Suburban Gothic. Joel, have you seen Suburban Gothic? Uh, no, I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. No, you need to see that. I'm busy watching sequels. It's I know, right? <laughs> I watched it's... Prison Break until they actually got out of the prison and the show started to suck. <laughs> Welcome to Prison Break. Here we are. It was pretty early on they made it out of the prison. And I was just like, this isn't good anymore. When they were planning to like, break from the prison, it was a good show. Like before the end of the first season type of thing? Yeah. Wow. Prison Break. The outside. The the setup was really cool. The the guy, his brother, goes to jail. Uh, he wants to get his brother out. Uh, so the guy, he's not a criminal. He gets the entire plans for the prison, like tattooed on his own body, and then gets himself sent to the same prison so he can get his brother out. Huh. It starts out so good, and I know that it was popular beyond where <laughs> I stopped watching it. But hmm. like two episodes after they got out of the prison, I was done. Anyway, okay. Uh, Johnny Galecki as Max Nurek, who is also in Big Bang Theory, Josh's favorite. There's <laughs> also the boyfriend on Roseanne. Yep, and also Rusty from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yep, one of the many Rusties. Yep, he gets around. And then we have Stuart Greer as Officer. Uh, he's also been in American Ultra, The Gift, and lots of other roles with where he plays officer, sheriff, or other lawmen type people. I am the law. I am the law. So there's a cast. That's some trivia. We've got uh, Lois Duncan, the writer of the original novels, that vehemently opposed to her book being reworked into a slasher film. This was due to the fact that her youngest daughter was murdered by an unknown assailant in 1989. So I can see how that would be a thing uh her original book is actually not that far off from the slasher though it's a bunch of guilty teenagers being stalked and terrorized by a murderous madman it's just nobody dies in her version so it's more like an old school mystery it definitely had a uh mystery almost scooby-doo or slightly uh modernized hardy boys feel to it Mm -hmm. yeah it definitely did it it did lean i think it leaned more in that direction than it did with slasher flight because there really wasn't that much blood in this one right there were a couple of big kills here and there um but we'll we'll get to that because i also think that the uh the mystery is the central appeal of the series but i'm mm-hmm. getting way ahead of, ahead of ourselves hardy yeah. boys hardy boys does whatever hardy boys does moving on uh the ice inside the storage of the boat was actually made of gelatin so jennifer love hewitt could comfortably move around inside that makes oh. sense yeah yeah 
in the rocky roads surrounding Dawson's Beach, where Ruley, Julie, Ray, Helen, and Barry have their hit and run, and later Julie travels across frequently, is actually the same mountainous road location used in the Alfred Hitchcock classic, The Birds. Such a good classic. Oh, yeah. And that was also another reference because... um, Dawson's Creek? Yeah. What's-his-face did Dawson's Creek? Let's go down to Dawson's Beach. Which one of them did uh, Dawson's Creek? Kevin Uh, Williamson. Yeah, Williamson. Uh, Oh, okay. For my life to be older, older. I'm standing in the boat, looking pensively across the water. The fuck is going on? Down at Dawson's (laughs) Creek. Down at Dawson's (laughs) Creek. Nice recovery. (laughs) All right, so this was my first time seeing this. Uh, As we learned with Candyman, there was a period in the early to mid-1990s where... I had limited budget to go to movies and most of that did not go to horror films. So I, I missed this one. Mm-hmm. Same, same approximate time ish. Yeah. <laughs> this was my first viewing also. Really? Wow. Yeah. And I'm guessing it probably was Pat's too, but maybe he didn't well, launch it. I don't know. Right out of the gates. I'm thinking that uh, Seals and Crofts need to kick the ass at whoever did the cover of this song, which was... Oh, dude, I thought that was really cool. What, oh, Kula Shaker? Like... Oh. No, no, Kula Shaker was later. Uh, talking the uh, really slow Summer Breeze. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Uh, summer this breeze. was not my first time, um, by the way. Oh, you keep talking. I'll look it up. Typo negative. Yes, typo negative. And it definitely is not... Uh, the Seals and Croft song. Like, if you're like, is this a good remake of Seals and Croft Summer Breeze? Well, no, but that's not what they're trying for. Right. It's a different, a very different take on it. It's almost like uh, a distilled version of the Sound of Silence one by Disturbed. Right. And th- that's another one. That's another cover I like. So the, not not surprising I would like this one. Yeah. I being a I became a Kevin Williamson fan after seeing Scream and then uh, actually watched Dawson's Creek for a couple seasons. And so this was on my radar when it came out and I saw it not in the theater, but I did. I've seen it. This is probably my I don't know, fourth time. Maybe I've seen it. Ish. Hmm. I don't love it, but yeah, it wasn't. I have seen it several times. Well, and you got Jennifer Love Hewitt. Ryan Phillippe and uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Like, there's nothing wrong with Freddie Prince, but like, they were really, really big. And there are very few people who play the like rich dickhead as well as Ryan Phillippe. <laughs> That's oh, what Lord he I was saying. Percent does. Uh, I mean, he's done other things, and he's actually got a decent resume. But yeah, if you want, if you want rich dick that you want to punch in the face, he's he's your guy. He, that, he gets that, that immediately. Like, he, he immediately steps into punchable face mode. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've seen, like, uh, like YouTubes like um, that are like, top ten people in horror movies that you just want to punch in the mouth. And they're like, Ryan Felipe is always in the top five. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't doubt that at all. At all. Well, I'm curious what you guys thought then. Because, I mean, I, I do, while I do agree it is a bit more of a mystery rather than a straight-up slasher, it's still... I mean, he still tweaked it to become a slasher to fall into that 90s self-referential meta kind of teen uh, horror thing that happened for a while um, where you got a lot of shit and occasional things that were really good, like Valentine, for example, which shouldn't have been, but was. And this one kind of was a bit better than average. 
I, that's about where I'd put it. Not to jump all the way to the end of the show for f- thumbs up, thumbs down. Like I, I was, I thought this was fine. I actually thought the slasher elements were the weakest part, aside from maybe the characterization of the sister. See, that's the thing is like they they played it off. I watched a bunch of the trailers on this, and they always seem to play it off so like I know what you did last summer. They're all gonna get the hook, and it really wasn't. It was it was more of a mystery than it was a slasher flick, I think. And the mystery elements were executed well. The slasher stuff, I mean, a fisherman with a hook, I guess it's fine. Not not particularly iconic. No. A little dumb. But, and it's weird, you've got a pretty okay to mediocre slasher put into an actually pretty competently executed mystery film. And it comes out, I think, in the wash as being pleasant side of okay. Well, and they also kind of deal with some interesting, interesting uh, kind of morality issues where or uh, maybe that's not the right word. But, you know, what would you do in this situation where you've got your whole life is about to start? Just finish high school. You've got a promising career or scholarships or you're rich or whatever. And all of a sudden you're put in this position where you could cover your tracks and possibly live with a horrible secret the rest of your life. You could cover your tracks and get caught. <laughs> You could, you know, go to the police and end up ruining your entire life. I mean, See, what do that, you that, do? That's what, that's one of the things that I, I wrote in my notes was, you know, when they, there was one scene, like <clears> after they all come back the next summer, and I think Sarah Michelle Gellar goes, what happened between all of us? What happened? And I'm like, you, you all committed a murder together and then hit it. I mean, that's the big number one. That's, that's why your relationship is falling apart because you killed somebody together. <laughs> And I guess that's kind of what I found interesting is they, they gave each character a different motivation for not wanting to go to the police necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gave them all a reason to create this pseudo pact to keep quiet. Um, but then they also had to figure out a way to make Ben Willis a character that uh, they, over over time they made him less likable of a guy. Uh, because ultimately he was kind of the one that got the short end of the stick, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I I kind of felt bad for him because the situation was like, but then you find out that he's a murderer also. Which Well, and before we get too far away from that, uh, the consequences of their actions, I I did have one criticism there because our our central character, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, I got Julie, um, she's kind of our window into how bad everything has changed, but we really just see her like not wearing makeup and looking vaguely sad. Mm-hmm. That was her, that was her whole thing. She was um, put upon by everything that was going on around her. Right. And it was like in an otherwise strong performance, that beginning right after she gets back from the year after I thought was kind of weak, both in terms of her execution and the way the script handled it. It was just like, I don't know. Well, the mom, especially with the, are you on drugs? Which that would have been almost a more interesting and believable to, uh, you know, not twist, but you know, uh character flaw. That she had been you, on drugs. Right. Yeah. yeah. If you're you living with, with that this. kind of guilt, I mean, how are you going to hide the demons and kind of push them down, but either drinking or, or drugs? That would have made more sense. But Some she of the just comments. was f- kind of like flunking out of school and just kind of looked tired and sad. And it just that bit did not work for me. Or the or the scene where they're like, what could have happened? How could somebody know? We were so careful. No, you weren't. 
you dumped a body at what was obviously a frequently used pier. You know, Felipe jumped in the water after him, saw the guy open his eyes under the water and decided not to tell any of you about it. I mean, it, it was the you know, outside of wearing clown shoes and going honk, 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 honk the whole time that they were doing this. I can't see how anybody in the town did not know that this occurred. Well, and that was another interesting kind of, I don't know if you want to call it a twist, because Kevin Williamson kind of for a brief period was known as the twist guy before Shamalama Ding Dong came along. But, you know, the fact that ultimately they did straight up kill the guy, it wasn't no longer an accident at one point. I've t- Twice over, I'd say, wasn't it? Because he kind of... See, I watched the other two, so now I'm I'm drawing a blank. But he kind of had sh- seemed like he was still potentially alive before they chucked him over. And then, yeah, when he was in the water, he definitely was mm-hmm. still kicking. Right, and yeah, he, he like he grabbed the crown and his eyes opened. So it's a little bit to the audience. It's pretty clear that he's surviving. To them, maybe not so much. Yeah, like to, in the uh... almost draw to uh, uh, not Ray uh, Barry. <clears throat> Barry. Barry was the only one who saw it, and he is struggling to make sure he gets evidence out of the guy's hands. Mm-hmm. And Barry and his pre-Prometheus running away from things class that he has. <laughs> Barry, run left, run right. You're yeah, running just straight. Run anywhere that a car can't go. Right. But he he was kind of I kind of enjoyed his character because like they put him in all these ridiculous situations where he's going to get hit by the car and he could have killed me. I just wound up in the hospital and I'm going to ride on the float with Sarah Michelle Geller and eyeball anybody that looks like they could be the killer. They're in a fishing town. First off, I'm not 100 percent sure why as so many old men were wearing rain slickers and hats and gloves and boots <laughs> in July. This, yeah. In July. Yeah, it was a style at the time. It was like, I'm here for the fourth. I can't breathe. You know, and then he catches that one guy. And just about did you see that one when the old man, when he jumped him, his eyes like rolled back into his head. I thought I was going to give him a stroke. <laughs> but then he's like, God, there's a guy in a slicker. There's a guy in a slicker. There's a guy in a slicker. There's slickers all over. Um, and then then they decide to do some research on this and do a 1997 description of how web searches work. (laughs) See, I just type in these items right here and it gets me directly into the library's database. Lots Mm. of guys with rubbers on. (laughs) Lots of rubbers. So, yeah, they're they're tracking down, like, who the killer was from all of the things that had gone on. And they don't quite, like, focus in on the girl who died, like, two summers ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not sure I agree with... Uh, you guys were saying earlier that Ben Willis is sympathetic. He kind of kills a whole lot of people that have absolutely no connection to his daughter. Well, I don't say sympathetic, but I'm kind of like... Yeah, your daughter died in an awful way. I can, I can, I don't say identify, but I can be like, yeah, I know how you would feel. Why you killed all these tertiary characters? That's the thing is like, I I don't like that uh, he got half of the main teen squad, but it's fine. You could almost say, okay, they interfered with your vengeance and they kind of committed a very parallel crime. But then you've got uh, Max who's just kind of an awkward weirdo who just killed for no reason. See, initially I'm like after the drive by and they get the first message, I'm like, Max, it's gotta be Max. I bet it's Max because he hated all of them all the way. Oh, it's not Max. As he gets the hook in the face. I, again, <laughs> I, I agree with you. He, there was absolutely no reason for Max to get the hook. There was no reason for the officer to get the hook. There was right. no reason for 
um, uh, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's Helen's sister, uh, Brid- oh, Bridget. Right, Bridget. For her to get the Bridget hook. Wilson. Yeah, uh, Elsa. No, yeah, I don't. Yeah, Elsa. I don't understand. First off, why Elsa was such a bitch to right? her sister. Every scene she's in, she's just awful for like no established reason. Mm-hmm. If if you had given me like, oh, her sister was supposed, you know, she, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar beat her out for the crown last year and she's angry this whole time. I would have bought that versus the I'm just bitchy at my sister for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yeah, you can infer that her sister's a beauty queen that's got all these New York plans and she's planning to stay in the shitty town forever and take care of the family business. So there's a jealousy thing going on. That That's fine, but like they didn't show us enough of their relationship to earn that. Mm-hmm. You can no. pretty much get that from context that that's what's going on. But like included or don't, right? That was that was an entire plot line they could have been left behind because I I was actually curious. Like the first time they were interacting, like when they were in um uh Julie James' room, not Julie James, when uh, Helen's in Helen's room, and she's like, "Oh God, you and your hair!" And the whole time, Hookman is standing in the closet, which I thought was actually some pretty good tension. You know he's in there. They don't know he's in there. They're just living their lives and doing it. You're waiting for something to happen. Right. That was Who's he going to get? Scene. Is, is she going to go downstairs and find her dad with a hook in his head? What, what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah I'm a with hook you in his that. head and another bourbon in his hand. Yeah, As that, you do. Yeah, well, yeah, apparently. This that is another really like good. standard uh, slasher where the parents of the teens who are running around getting chopped up are barely present. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I like that tension where you know the risk that the people are in, but they don't know it. That kind of thing in a movie really gets me. That whole scene was it. Like, you knew that he was in the closet. You knew that this was something that happened, but they didn't. You know, he cut her hair. And then later on, he puts a body in her trunk with a million crabs and somehow is able to follow her and clean out the trunk while she runs to go Completely get her Completely clean out the trunk. There was I mean, no... that was a great damn job. Honestly, I want him to detail my car. Yeah, that was a hell of a detailed job. And nobody in the, nobody in the neighborhood's like, hey, hey, honey, where is that guy? Is that guy taking a dead body and 200 crabs out of the trunk of that car? <laughs> right. Why is he got a really steamer? fast. That guy's man. Why is he got I mean, a granted, steamer? he's committing a felony, but at the same time, that dude cleans up quick. So hey, my well, theory through the whole thing after that was actually the murderer was the Flash. Way to desecrate a corpse. <laughs> Sometimes dead is better. I don't know where I'm going with that. Yeah. Another another point of the movie, though, where I was like, again, I don't say not what the fuck, but why are you guys doing what the director told you? Because it makes absolutely no sense. Is when she was apparently having to sit through all the talent show things that go on. <laughs> right on the stage. Yeah. Let's that make was... that as awkward as possible. So she sees uh, uh, Ryan. She sees Barry up there about to get stabbed, runs right up the center way, pointing at the top. And what does everybody in the town do? Get into the middle aisle and stop her from running to whatever she was running at. Why? Yeah. Plot? Look at this woman. She's gone a little crazy. <clears throat> Instead of no one just is looking at what she's pointing at. Yeah, she's pointing up and screaming and everyone's like, ah, she must be on her time of the month, being a little crazy bit. You know, oh, I, but there's a guy on the stage right now that's cleaning out the trunk of a car. <laughs> it's amazing. Look how fast he goes. And then the cop goes up there, and I'm sorry, again, the flash. Nobody can kill somebody <clears throat> with a fish hook like that. 
and then have one drop of blood left that the cop does not see. See, Patrick finally gets his fish hook that he was bitching about <laughs> with uh, Candyman, and he's not here. I know. At I'm least sorry, you're Patrick. here, and we got finally got a turkey carcass in a tree. You know, I was kind of like, <clears throat> you're halfway there, Anne. You know, you need to eat the carcass, you need to eat the food, <laughs> and then you hang the desiccated carcass in the tree and let the birds pick over the current, pick it over. The slow reveal of the, like, middle link in the chain of the Egan family, like, that it's uh, her brother uh, who they killed, or who they think they killed, uh, and he's the guy at the beginning, uh, staring mournfully out over the cliff. Mm -hmm. I I appreciated that. For listeners that don't understand the whole turkey carcass in a tree thing, I'll put a link to our Thanksgiving Day show in there. That'll explain a lot. Well, yeah. By now, even if you don't understand the original, you've heard, heard us go Reference at it. it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's your more metal than kiss moment. <laughs> it used to be math, but now it's, yeah, turkey carcasses. No, turkey carcasses. Why does a cop not know what streets are supposed to be closed during the biggest holiday, like celebration day of the uh, the town? He's not a very good police officer, I think, is the answer no. to that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That, that's, that's how I read it. Yeah. And, and another question, the biggest... Apparently the biggest day of the year for this town. They have a, you know, talent show and all this. Mrs. Miss So-and-so, they crown the person. They have apparently two parades, one in the daytime, one in the middle of the night. And what store then schedules their inventory on that night? It's a good question. That had not occurred to me, but that makes sense. That is a, that is the worst time to do inventory. Yeah. Like everybody's going to be out at this thing. Nobody's going to be shopping, which honestly, okay, nobody's going to be shopping or doing inventory, but only one person shows up for it. And it's the nasty sister. The yeah, like she, doesn't, she doesn't get to participate in the festivities or just do normal 4th of July stuff. She has to work. Maybe that's why she was so angry is that her sister got to be in the contest and she had to do inventory in the store every year. Oh. Yeah. So dad can sit and drink bourbon. Right. And oh. watch college football or whatever it was. Oh. Yeah. I I don't know. The, this this was fine. <clears throat> uh, God, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. It sounds like we're kind of taking it down a bit, but uh, I do appreciate that uh, by the end of it, your killer's a fisherman. By the end of it, he looks like an actual fisherman. Mm-hmm. Like, not not the mascot for fish sticks, but like what an actual fisherman on a fishing boat would look like. Right. Well, let me let me give you a, a quick history of I Know What She Did Last Summer. So after this movie, I Still Know What She Did Last Summer features Jennifer Love Hewitt is at school. Freddie Prince is back still working at the, the wharf, the fish dock, whatever. And it's working with wharf. <laughs> Um, Brandy and Mackay Pfeiffer are an item. Brandy is to, uh, Jennifer's roommate. She wins a contest to go to like about the Bahamas or something. Before you get too much further, because, uh, the ending of this one, uh, indicates that the killer's still out there and after her, do they address that? <clears throat> yes. Okay. Um, so she, she wins a con Brandy wins a contest to go to some Bahamas Island in the off season. Uh, so all four of them, uh, except Freddie Prince who stays behind cause he gets the killer comes after, uh, him first fails to kill him. But so he's left behind. They go to the Island, uh, with an extra dude who's hot for Jennifer, uh, at the Island, Jeffrey Combs runs the resort. Jennifer Esposito works at the resort as a bartender, and Jack Black is a stoner that's trying to sell everybody weed. <laughs> what? Um, so 
uh, long story short, Ben Willis is there trying to kill everybody, but we come to find out spoilers for those of you who are going to see it. I apologize that Ben Willis and Ben Willis's son, William Ben's son, get it. Uh, uh. Are the ones that are killing are trying to kill all of them. Uh, ultimately they defeat them both. But then in the very last scene, uh, Freddie Prince and Jennifer are living together. And from under the bed, a hook grabs Jennifer and pulls her under the bed screaming. So they kind of leave it ambiguous as to whether they actually killed them or he's back. So then the third one, I'll always know what you did last summer that just came out 2006. Hang on. You, you've moved past. You said that they addressed the fact that she's attacked in the final scene of the first movie and then didn't explain that at all. Oh, wait. Yeah. Was, was that she... a dream sequence or was he actually in her shower or? No, she was. Yeah, she wasn't. I, I'm sorry. I thought you meant that that uh, Ben was still alive because, yeah, he's still alive. Or he was. Yeah, no, but know. in the final scene of the first movie, she's attacked again. Yeah, they, they, do, the, they do the, the writing on the steam in the shower and then he's like, bleh. I think it must have been a dream then, because she was definitely not attacked. And okay, uh, at so, least it wasn't referenced in the, the, the sequel. So they just pretended the last 30 seconds of the la- first movie just didn't happen. Which I assume is kind of where they were going with the last 30 seconds, because the exact same thing happened in this one. It's just she got pulled under the bed instead by a okay. hook. Yeah. Uh, but then the third one takes place in Colorado, does not reference anybody in the first film other than Ben Willis, where there's just these kids talking about this urban legend about Ben Willis. And then they accidentally kill somebody, hide it. And then they're being hunted by a a fisherman in Colorado in the mountains who's hooking everybody. And then come to find out that it's Ben Willis, but he's undead. And he's now like this person who, whenever there's somebody killed and they hide it, he comes and kills those people for hiding the, the truth. Huh. huh. It's, so he becomes like an avenging spirit. So it sounds to me like it, they it's... just wanted to cash in, and the second one's worse because they don't even address the ending of the first one. And then the third one's just like, well, we got to make more money, so we'll take the least interesting thing about this series and make him undead so we can use him again. Go from there. Yeah, it makes no sense to me why they decided to make him an undead, vengeful spirit, but they did. And. Huh. What's sad, the guy that, that directed it had done some decent stuff, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, See, I'm, got I'm Googling stuck. Colorado fishing villages. I mean, they're literally in the mountains. Like, one and, of the guys and, works on lifts. Like, and Google says it's landlocked. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. So, why there's a killer fisherman there is, is just. It's a weird choice. Someone take me home. I'm lost. Okay, so I'm that been... was a direct to video, is what I'm seeing. Yeah, 2006, made much, much later. Um, and I, I, yeah, I was mm. trying to find an image of yeah, Ben Willis. No, we don't need to see that. Yeah, I, I'm perfectly happy just having seen the first one with your yeah. uh, description of the rest of the original franchise. Yeah, I'd never seen the third one. I've seen the second one before, but I'd never seen the third and, uh, Kind of wished I hadn't, but that's I kind did. of yeah, kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. Ne- next time you're thinking of doing something like that, watch Gosford Park instead. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. When uh, we come back, we're going to talk about the 2021. I know what you did last summer. TV show just came out on Amazon Prime. <laughs> All 
All right. So recently, as in like four weeks ago, Amazon released I Know What You Did Last Summer 2021. It recently, as in four days ago. Was it? Wait, they released four episodes four days ago? Uh, Amazon yeah. always drops with three episodes. And then oh, okay. Get you hooked, and then they'll do the like one a week after that. Yeah, this See, literally is brand new. I, I, I actually like that. I, I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I want to binge the whole first you know, the whole first uh, season at one shot. I like it when they drop it to you just a little <laughs> bit at a time. I agree. And I think three to get you hooked and then one per week. They've figured out the secret sauce. Well, it's not even the secret sauce because remember when we were kids, tweens, that sort of thing, when they would have a premiere of a, of a TV show, it would always be like an hour, hour and a half special. Right. But like now, if you were just to launch with one episode... I might watch the one episode, but there's a good chance I'm going to forget to ever come back to the second. Mm -hmm. But 100%. if I got three to watch at once, you probably have hooked me in. Yeah. Or four in the which case, which I watched this afternoon. You've and by hooked doing me in like the Gorton's Fisherman. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. And if you do it weekly, then it becomes a water cooler show. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I miss. I miss having conversations about weekly TV shows I, I almost wish that I had actually watched Lost when I was when it was out because I skipped over that whole thing and actually did not watch Lost until it finished and then I picked it up on Netflix. Yeah, that's one of those that I uh, didn't watch when it premiered, but like I got in a year or two late, but caught up. So like I watched the first one on DVD box set. Mm -hmm. I do that with a lot of shows. Like I miss the first season, but I catch up and then end up watching the last of it live. Well, it's, and nowadays especially, it's kind of like, all right, you got past the first season. No one canceled you. Okay, you've got my attention. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know what you did last summer. In a town full of secrets, a group of teenagers are stalked by a mysterious killer a year after a fatal accident on their graduation night. Uh, it is a teen horror series based on the novel that we discussed earlier by Lois Duncan. Adapted for Amazon Prime by Sarah Goodman. Produced by Amazon and Sony Pictures Television Studios. Mandalay Television and Atomic Monster Productions. Currently, it's sitting at a 35% approval rating with a 5.4 out of 10 out of 26 critic reviews. Uh, website's critics consensus reads, A bloodless slasher that fails to congeal. I know what you did last summer's killer cast can't make up for the show's many plot holes and unsatisfying twists. So that is a statement may not reflect what we have to say. I was going to say, a spoiler does not reflect what I have to say. I, right. I, I see all the bad reviews for this. And I don't get it, though, as I told you guys off air early, for anyone that saw this and hated this, if you disagree with me, I want you to understand I never saw Pretty Little Liars. And I know it's being unfavorably compared to that as being a show that came out 10 years ago and apparently did most of the same things better. <clears throat> right. Um, <clears throat> the There are four uh, currently four episodes with eight coming up. Uh, going to be directed by the first ones are Logan Kibbins. Kibbins. Kibbins, who did The L Word, I Love Dick, Snowfall, and Operator. Uh, the final eight are going to be directed by Craig William McNeil, who uh, did some directing on Westworld, on The Them, Lizzie, and The Boy, and also Benjamin Seminoff. 
who uh, director-wise has done Ozark, which is a show I need to get into. Same. And uh, On Common Ground. Cast and characters, we've got Madison Eisman as Lennon and Allison Grant. You may know her from Jumanji uh, and Jumanji The Next Level. Welcome to the jungle and next level. She was also on Nickelodeon's Henry Danger, which my kids watched briefly. Okay. Same thing. I don't know. I don't, my my girls only, they're like all <clears throat> streaming everything all the time. Yeah, like nowadays. Like YouTube. Yeah, nowadays that's what it was, but. There was a brief period where we watched it. Yep. And then we have Bill Heck as ah, Bruce Heck. Grant. Uh, he is in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs and plays uh, Mr. Locke in uh, Lock and Key. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Yep. Oh, so uh, yeah. yeah. So he's basically the the dad, dad of the moment. Yep. Yep. Dad of the murdering kids show. Ah, Lock and Key is so good, though. It is. Right. I love that show. Season two coming out in December, I think. Nice. Uh, Brianne Chu as Margot, <laughs> who's also been in 47 Meters Down and Light as a Feather. Chu. And she was also in the, uh, this is her second take on a 90s revival horror. She was on oh. the MTV version of Scream. Oh, that's right. Uh, Ezekiel Goodman as Dylan Scanlon, who's also been in Rat Bastard and Dragonfly. Ashley Moore as Riley, who is in Popstar and Rule of Thirds. Sebastian Amoruso as Johnny LaHalala, who's been <laughs> in Solve. It's getting late. Fiona Rain as <clears throat> Kyla Calais, as, who's also been in Stumptown, which I heard is really good. Is that about a bunch of amputees? That's the, oh, the one of those three shows that I have not seen. Stumptown? Stumptown, Grey's Anatomy, Jane the Virgin. Mm. I've seen the other two. Oh. Heading down to Stumptown. Yeah, it's it's like a crime show. Oh. Uh, Cassie Beck as Courtney, and Brooke Bloom as Clara, who has also been in Alpha House and Brain Dead. Some trivia on this one. <laughs> Brianne Chiu also Chew. appeared as a supporting character in MTV's Screen, the TV series, based on the Scream franchise, written and created by Kevin Williamson. Williamson also wrote the script for the original I Know What You Did Last Summer. Huh. So there's a thing. Uh, the killer's identity was purposely, purposely kept secret from the cast during production. Choo! Choo! And Madison Ilsman and Spencer Sutherland are actually dating in real life <gasps> and <gasps> co-starring in this show together. Well, oh. co-starring for Spencer Sutherland is... <clears throat> That's a reach, considering he's the convenience store guy. Yeah. I mean, I love my Still on the show. He was still on it. So, all right. So, I'm assuming this is the first viewing for all of us. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, sir. I'm going to preempt this with, I don't like any of these kids. (laughs) Call me a boomer. Call me a Gen (laughs) Xer. Whatever. I don't like any of these people. Well, okay. If if we're going to dive into... Don't forget to tag me. <laughs> Some of the there is I I like this show like overall, mm. and I uh, don't don't assume that just because I don't like anybody in this show that I do not like this show. Well, the reason I say that is because I'm about to hit it with one of my big complaints. Mm. Is that uh, one of the issues I do have with it is there is a bit of teenagers speaking the way forty somethings think teenagers speak going on here i will give you that 
like <sighs> you need to like there is a bunch of catchphrases that are being repeated from TikTok without context and they are not talking the way actual young people would talk. That's mm-hmm. high key true. Yeah, or just <laughs> randomly dropping a sus a little too often in conversation. It's it's not quite not quite there. And some of the some of the dialogue in this was written at a boardroom table. For sure. That uh, said such such lines as can ketamine kill you? <laughs> that I'm said, sorry. There is more going on <clears throat> at least with some of the characters. Like like Lennon the the bad sister is obviously kind of a modern take on Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks. Like she is a mess. Yeah, putting it lightly. Yeah, she uh, is a hot mess. And you got Allison, who is just kind of like not going anywhere with her life because she can't get over her mother's death and is kind of a wet ball of nothing. Only made interesting by the big first twist. Um, you got Margot, who while I. I like Margot. She is almost too much of a stereotype of the Instagram obsessed influencer. Like, I don't dislike her as a character, but the way they wrote her is a lot. See, I, this I think this goes back to the written at a corporate boardroom. Mm-hmm. Margot is written as the Instagrammer girl. She's the it's girl. She's the... I don't want to say she's what a bunch of Gen Xers think Instagram influencers look like, but unfortunately that's what it is. Yeah, for sure. But it's interesting, though, that they do kind of take a twist on that, that it's her mother uh, that's basically her her producer, like her, the person that's making her or creating her image and Mm -hmm. making her the the person. That's true to life. Like that, that definitely happens. It's maybe not the norm, but they, th- that's not unique to this character. No, it's, it's, it is interesting though, because typically when you see that type of character in films, they're doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. But to see her being kind of, not that she doesn't want to participate, but that she's getting pushed even further by her mom. It's just, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, her mom's you, behind the camera. You talk about like the parents. You've got Dylan, who is weird and OCD and kind of a ball of neuroses, and he grew up with this weird ass hippie mom. Hammering those salt licks all over the place. She's all into crystals and running around painted in the nude. She's a very free spirit, and he, he I guess his form of rebellion is like jamming wads of coal up his butt and turning out diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's like you, Lennon. Oh, go ahead. I was just going through the characters because Riley, I get Riley. She grows up poor. Her mom is like the worst person. Okay. <laughs> the the second episode where she comes into the apartment and where she's like, she's cleaning for the um, for Lennon's dad. And she Pardon walks me. in. No, she's like, not Riley. No, not Riley. Yes. Yeah. No, Riley's mom. I, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to clarify that for listeners. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Not it. Um, the mom. Yeah. Courtney. Courtney. She walks in. She's like, what's your problem? I'm like you just threw a fucking rat through the window. Yeah. What? And, and the thing is like her, uh, Lennon's dad. I'm like, why are you just like brushing this off? Like it's a normal Tuesday. 
you know, he he's like, okay, you're done for the day. Oh, am I still going to get paid? Yes, you will. He probably knows that if he fires her for being the fucking worst, uh, even with the drug dealing, Riley doesn't get to eat. Right. Yeah, considering the fact that she's like um, trying to score coke off her own daughter in later episodes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, so, and then, yeah, I get yeah. Riley. Uh, and then you got Johnny, who is he's the best aside from the way this is going to go into one of my other big problems with the show. And there aren't very many, but uh, Johnny, you are written as such a great guy, but the producers put you in a role where they can't decide how they want to handle your romantic relationship. Because just because you waited till you turned 18, getting into a relationship with your closeted football coach there's a squicky power dynamic thing going on there where that relationship is not okay. Yeah. And then you immediately go from establishing that relationship that has its own problematic dynamic to taking your two gay characters and brutally fucking murdering them. Yeah. And in quite the saw type of murder too. Right. And that's the thing is like, I have some, conflicted feelings because he is like, he's the good guy of the kids. Uh, he immediately, he's the one that most loudly wants to go to the cops. He is cool to everybody. Mm -hmm. But then you've got this representation where he's in this relationship and then he and his lover are brutally, brutally, gorily murdered. Which, Did not give me a great feeling. By the way, there's a nice double standard there about, Oh, you're dating the teacher. That's cute. That's hot. Whatever. Uh, it's uh, still not you okay. Just, you just turned 18. Yeah, it's still not okay. Even right. though it's a dude, it's still not okay. And also, Lennon and Allison's dad is not a prize either. You know? You no, know, I liked... I was like, okay, I can understand the dad. I'm identifying with the dad. He lost one daughter. He's got the other. I get him. I get him. Oh, choky handcuffy sex. Well, but Still also fine. the fact that he's willing to hide the death of his other daughter. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, he's protecting the one that he's got left, but there's still, I, I don't know. It raises a lot of questions. It raises a lot of questions, but also it's very clear by the fourth episode that we don't know everything about him. No. Yeah, 100%. for sure. And he is, he's trying his best. Uh, he recognizes that he's got some fucked up things about the way he handles. He's trying to be a modern parent. He's trying to be a cool dad with the knowledge that he has scarred his daughters through his actions when he still has two. And he's just like trying to get through without losing literally everybody. So speaking jury's the, still out for me on him. Speaking of the cool parent thing, that party in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Joel, all the parents were at that party. That mm -hmm. guy was peeing in the pool. There, okay, yeah, there is a lot more dick in this show than I was expecting, for one. And two, all the parents, all this stuff is going around them. They're doing ketamine. They're doing eight balls. They're 
drinking and smoking and snorting and all this stuff. And all the parents stand in the kitchen going, man, I'm sure going to miss these kids when they go off to college. There was a key line there, though. And while this is definitely a uh, extreme version of this trope and a rich, decadent uh, version of this trope, I have been to the house with the cool mom who lets you do stuff a parent should never let you do under the, at least I know you're doing it here where you're safe. Yep, yep. That was the big the big thing that they were standing behind that. That, that was and their I, logic. Yeah. I understand if you didn't grow up with that experience, but I absolutely did. Yeah, I mean, I didn't grow up with that experience, but still at the same time, ketamine? Well, sure. This is definitely a taking it too far. It's beyond me in high school at a buddy buddy's house where mom knows we're drinking Jack Daniels and playing video games. Right. This is this is a way beyond that. But also, it's not 1993 anymore. This right. is pretty extreme, even for 2021. But these are also people who are portrayed as trying so hard. They're the serious version of the mom from Mean Girls. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can 100% see that then. Yeah, um, you remember Amy Poehler's character from Mean Girls? Mm-hmm. She was played off as a joke. These parents are her, but real. Yeah. To circle back to Bruce real quick, one of the things that was most telling about him that I think you were talking about from the fourth episode was when he was writing the letter for Allison. Oh, yeah. That whole scene was rough. Yeah. that That's when you really got a sense of what really is going on and kind of what is or I'm sure he, more to come out. Yeah. Or, or how he looks at his kids with that way, because he was like, OK, write this down. Dear dad, fuck you. I would never write that. The hell you wouldn't write it down. I'm like, Jesus. Well, he didn't say the hell you wouldn't. He said it doesn't matter if you'd write it or not. This gets the job done. Right, right. He's, I mean, he he's looking to make sure in a weird, twisted way, he's looking to make sure that both of his daughters are cleared of everything that's going on. Right. And there's more going on with him when you get, to, well, I don't want to get too much into the really late stuff <laughs> with the creepy cult lady. Because Bruce has yeah. a relationship with Helen, the creepy cult lady, and we don't know the nature of it yet. But let's, right. let's that was go a back to the reveal. plot. Because this starts out with a couple of key things that are different. Um, there is, of course, we've been dancing around or maybe blowing wildly past the initial twist. Is that you've got twin sisters and the victim is one of the two sisters. Mm-hmm. And for the whole first episode, you're meant to believe that it is the good girl sister who has had a really shitty night at the party and the quote unquote bad girl sisters driving the car and she hit, hits and kills her sister. Yep. Uh, in the twist that I saw coming and from what I'm seeing online, so did virtually everyone else. Uh, there was a bit of a mistaken identity play going on where the quote unquote good sister, Allison, uh, was wearing the jacket of Lennon, the bad sister, and everyone just assumes that she's her sister. And she gets caught up in this like web of lies. And once somebody's dead, she can't get out. And she's mm-hmm. forced to pretend the rest of her life to be her dead sister. Which is a complete and utter mind fuck to begin with. Right. It's super interesting. Uh, I think that that uh, dynamic alone makes the show uh, compelling to me. Uh, The other things that I really like about this is they lean into the mystery, which was the strongest part of the original source material. 
and they address a bunch of criticisms of horror movies. Uh, one, they say teen slasher movies, where are the parents? Well, we see the parents. They're highly involved. Where are the police? Why are the police so incompetent? The police are highly involved. And also, cell phones slash the internet would make all these sorts of movies pointless. Absolutely not. Cell phones and the internet are key to the way they're telling the story. I appreciate yep. all of that about the series. I do I do agree with you on that one. The the fact that they are um who is it they're calling out? Margot? Yeah. Margot, like, oh my god, have you been streaming this entire time when they're all in the cave and they're about to dispose of the body type of thing? I mean, there's a lot of there's so much more social media tension in what's going on in this. Even in the fourth episode, when two of the characters get into it about who's respecting the death more or less than the other one. Right. Well, it becomes a, a, a plot device. Mm -hmm. the, well, the, yeah. The OnlyFans account. Technology itself becomes a major plot device instead of just trying to brush to the side. Yeah, it's it's part of what's moving the story forward. Yeah, and I take issue with the critics saying that there are uh, many plot holes because there are things in the first episode that you could consider a plot hole, except they're filled in by the third episode, which makes me believe that if there's something in the fourth episode that looks like a plot hole, we might get later revelations in the remaining episodes that show, oh, no, you thought this didn't make sense. And it didn't at the time, but that's because you don't have all the pieces to the puzzle yet. Yeah, I think they're doing a slow burn mm -hmm. that once you get to the last episode, whether it's planned to have a second season or not, they're going to wrap up enough that the only holes that might be left are ones to take you into another season <clears throat> or to finish the whole story. They'll be filled in. And they call it bloodless. Well, I mean, there are only five kids. Yep. I mean, and there ah. have already been in the fourth four episodes, we've got five four. deaths. Four, oh, five? There was the coach, the first of the five kids, the owner of the restaurant, and the uh, cop. Oh, the cop was the fifth. Yeah. Well, the cop, you've you forgotten about the pervy guy who is at the uh, uh, little uh, gas station. Oh, and then there was another. There was two at the restaurant. Yeah. Two at the restaurant. The, so six. Yeah, and seven if you're counting uh, the initial Earth. death. Yeah, I, and that, the deaths are not bloodless. They are yeah. gory. Yeah, seven, they are. seven deaths for four episodes to me is not like... It, I, I think they want something different out of a slasher <laughs> than maybe I do. I am happy with character-focused slow burns, like examining the relationship, punctuated by moments of extreme gore. See, going through this whole thing, watching over the shows, I mean, like I said earlier, I do not like any of the main characters of this show. Um... The cop, the guy cop who's like, yes, they were in there. They, they had a carnal relationship. First off, I love the way he talks. But he, he's almost like he's got uh, Asperger's or something. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, he, he it's funny <clears> because <throat> he, in a lot of ways, is pathetic and not a very good cop, except he's the one, I believe, who got killed for getting too close to the truth. Mm -hmm. He was figuring it out. Right. Oh, yeah. And I'm waiting for the point where they well, and <clears throat> at the end of the third episode, I was like, you know, the only two people I actually like in this show are that cop and the chef from the diner. <laughs> and then at the end of the fourth one, I'm like, well, fuck that. Yeah, oh, oh. I, I pretty much I think I actually uh, I get why you wouldn't like the characters, but I think I like them all with 
Do, is there a, an exception? And there might not be an exception. I, aside from uh, Lennon, who is not likable, but she's not in the show for very long. Mm-hmm. And even she, her, like she's not likable, but you get why. Uh, I'm all about <clears throat> the kids. Uh, she's I still think, interesting. Yes, she's still interesting. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if there is a kid who I, I'm not as big a fan of, it is uh, Dylan. I can see that. And see, a couple of things that choo, I didn't. Choo. Sorry, I just had to say, oh, chew, that's right. Sorry. A couple ahead. of things that I didn't like, especially in the fourth episode when they decided to have a lot of painted wieners running around. <laughs> there were a lot of dicks. <laughs> um, dick, one of the dick, tropes dick, that I dick, dick, really dick, dick, hate dick, dick. is, and it kind of was in the first one also, is a crowd grabs a random bystander and just pulls them along into the water. Like when they had that that nature run and all the painted naked people come running out of the forest and she's standing on the beach and they just grab her and pull her into the water together. That's not a thing that people would do. I that 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 and parallel to the I'm pointing up to the balcony and trying to tell you what's going on up there and we're just going to stand up and stop you from going to the place where you're alerting us to. I mean, maybe the expectation with the nature runners is if you're on their route you are assumed to be someone who is into it and willing to be caught up and pulled along until you make it to the water. Part of it. Yeah. They don't spend a lot of time explaining this particular local tradition. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also kind of blew past the fact that uh, this show, one of the things that makes it interesting is that it's set in Hawaii. And although it is uh, a basically a white family that is the central characters, the two daughters and Bruce. Uh, there are a lot of people who look at least native Hawaiian in this show. And I appreciate that. It isn't a Hawaii that doesn't look at all like it could actually be in Hawaii. No. And there's a lot of cultural situations in there, like the funeral itself. Right. So, and I saw a lot of people dunking on the show for that is like, Oh, there's not enough Hawaiians. in it. And I was like, well, it seems like there's quite a few. Yeah, there were there was a lot of uh, native Hawaiians in there if you paid attention. Yeah, well, there's a v- diverse group of people in the show, even the and, five main characters. And, and it could be that I, I don't know the difference between a native Hawaiian and maybe some of the actors are Korean or Filipino or whatever. But at least it isn't a Hawaii that is just like a bunch of random white people wearing lays. Right. It it looks authentic to me while I admit that I don't necessarily know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's not a Cameron Crowe movie, is what you're saying. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see where this goes and uh, very surprised considering how much I like it. Somebody's going to get that reference. I'm just blowing past it. Yeah, moving on. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you're going to insist that I dunk on you for something not funny, I can go back. Well, there was a, the movie Aloha that Cameron Crowe did, where he takes place in Hawaii and everybody's white. Anyway, moving on. But uh, I, just the gulf between the reviews universally with like, what did you say? It was a 30, 35%, 35% approval. And Apparently how much I'm into this? I don't get it. 5.1 out of 10 on an IMDb right, right now. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I will admit like I said at the beginning, I don't like any of the kids in this show, but I cannot wait to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. I, I plan to watch every one of these episodes. <clears throat> and if 
the people who are saying that this is just pretty little liars, but not as good are correct. Okay. You've sold me on that one too. I'm going to go back and watch that one. See, I've, I've heard about pretty little liars and it's on my kind of like, yeah, if I get the time, I'll watch it type of thing. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, cur- if, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say currently on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 44% critic, 42% audience. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, it's not just the critics who are dunking on this, and I don't understand. Yeah, so. I, I, I enjoyed it. I was I was not sure how you guys were going to receive this when I chose it, but I was like, it's topical. And I remembered enjoying the film when I saw it the last, you know, the times that I've seen it. Um, but I was not expecting the show to be a decent update. And, and maybe people are mad because we're four episodes in and they haven't seen a fisherman killer. Right. And I'm sorry, but the fisherman killer was the least interesting thing about that movie. The mystery was the most interesting thing. And that's what they're leaning into. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't some Scooby, Scooby Doob type of thing. This is, if it happened, I could see this being a lot more, I I could see this winding up in the newspaper, this whole string of events type of thing. So no, no Donald Earl Messick here. If it's that poorly received, even if they plan on a second season, we probably won't get one. But I think I'm going to enjoy the rest of whatever we do get. Yeah. Unless by episode eight, something happens and everybody it catches their attention once they realize that they're building to something more, is what we think anyway. Uh, they're yeah. building to something. Or it could even, it could go off the rails and I'll end up not liking it. I mean, that that happens. Yep. But at the moment, yeah, even though I don't have to watch any more for the uh, podcast and I frequently don't go back and watch stuff because video games exist, I'm probably going to watch the rest of this. New episodes every Friday. So, no, and I, I agree with you. I, I really want to know what happens next. Well, Laura um, and I are both hooked. So, so that's uh, October. And uh, I guess th- th- this is. As good a time as any to uh, give our pretty obvious thumbs up, thumbs down, and then talk about uh, the uh, the upcoming break. Yeah. So uh, let's so, do that then. Yeah. He was taking a drink, was, it sounded like. You caught me in the middle of a drink. So, Joel, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, well, I'm going to go thumbs up on the original. Um, they're not great, but they're all right. And uh, thumbs up for the new series. I'm right there with Joel, only maybe less enthusiastic about the original and very enthusiastic thumbs up uh, about the series. Yeah, I'm going uh, thumbs up on both of them. I, I really enjoyed the original one a lot more than I expected. And this one, I'm I'm kind of hooked on what happens to a bunch of awful people. <laughs> so, yeah, I like if, it's always sunny. If you yeah. had your thoughts like, yeah, everything was too pat perfect with uh all of us agreeing and you wanted to see some dissension you can uh yell at patrick by giving us a call at 708 now rap that's 708-669-9727 yeah and if you'd like to hear uh, more of our shows you can find us on uh your favorite podcast app such as podbean or pandora give us a thumbs up and a review if you're on there you can also leave us more reviews on apple google or amazon podcasts or support the show through the ko-fi link in the show notes and help us pay for all that internet that we use hey joel yo what's coming up well as josh alluded to we're going on hiatus it's that time of year where we take a break so uh up until the new year, you're going to have to live on 
the uh, the previous episodes and join us on the Discord server. And we'll probably be throwing out some steady stuff in the stream. But when we come back in the, the new year, we're going to be talking about, get ready for it, Dune, Cowboy Bebop, The Matrix, and West Side Story. So we got some big shit coming. As well yep. as big episode 400. Like, we always take a break around the holidays, but with Joel's wedding coming up, we're <clears> going to make October the <throat> official end of this season, this era of 40 going on 14, and we'll come back to talk to you in 2022. Yeah. Like said, we, between the four of us, we've got a lot going on. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, we would rather have you guys get a good show than a bunch of us just going, yeah, we just watched this show in the middle of everything that we have going on in our life. And Christmas is coming up and I haven't bought anything. I don't even have a tree as it was. But uh, again, in the same time, we really appreciate you guys listening to us and join our discord. Like Josh said, and uh, let us know if you have any ideas. If you are part of our Iranian 40 going on 14 fan base. Give us a email at 40 go 14 at gmail.com. Let us know what you'd like to hear about, or if you have any comments for us, thanks again. And, uh, we'll be back in a roughly new year's day ish. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back when the spice must flow. Right. Mm. Have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great Halloween. Have a great Christmas and new year's. And we'll be back soon. Cheers. Uh, uh, oh god <laughs> jesus gonna kill a woman go see a doctor <laughs>